0: One of the greatest boxers who's ever lived was a guy by the name of Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson is known for many things, but one of his most uh, memorable quotes was this, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, which is a great quote. So here's the deal. Um, If you're wondering why I am talking a little bit Strangely today, it's because I got punched in the mouth yesterday. Now, you're you're wondering, how did that happen? Who did it? What did you say? None of that is the reason, okay? It was a complete accident. So for many of you who don't know, I I like to do jujitsu. And jujitsu is a ground-based martial arts, which is primarily grappling, wrestling, if you would. So it doesn't involve striking, but sometimes striking happens. And so yesterday when I was training, you can see this, see that bang right there on the lip. So that's why I'm talking funny. I'm not dipping or anything like that, (laughs) though it may make the sermon better if I did. But I think I'm going to survive. Speaking of fighting, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago, that we are in a fight. We are in a battle in our culture and in the church today. Uh, We're fighting an enemy, I think, that is very wily and tricky and subversive and is seeking really, I think, to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today we're gonna continue to look at this spiritual battle that we're in? And how do we go about it? How do we engage with all the chaos and all the different things that are happening in the church and also in the culture today? I've chosen for us to dive into the book of Ephesians, during this series. So throughout the series, we're gonna jump into Ephesians, look at snapshots from this book, because I believe Ephesians talks about three key issues that are important at this moment in time. That's the issue of identity, community, and mission. Identity, community, and mission. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter number six, verse 10 following. Ephesians 6, 10 following, he writes, and here's the challenge right off the bat. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. That's our challenge, is to be strong, stay strong in God's strength. How do we do that? Look at verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people or people groups or individuals, but against the rulers and against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and the heavenly places. So right here, he lays out the challenge for us. In this spiritual battle, we have to be strong, and we have to be strong in God's strength by putting on his armor. Now, a lot of the letters that Paul wrote that we have collected in the New Testament are about him addressing different ideologies and issues that were seeping its way into the church and distorting and twisting the gospel. One of the ones he deals with time and time again is the Gnostic ideology. Gnosticism was influencing large numbers of people in the early church. And Gnosticism, basically that word means knowledge, Gnosis, Knowledge. So a Gnostic is someone back then who had special knowledge of the inner workings of the universe, who understood the hierarchy within the spiritual world, who understood also um, some special insights into the human body, into sexuality and other issues. Gnostic's back in the day would steal terms from Christianity and pour new meaning into them. So a lot of Paul's letters, he is correcting, he is encouraging believers on how they are to stand out against, push back against this subversive ideology. Now today, Gnosticism is not really the problem, though some would label it as such. Um, scholar and author Vodi Bacham calls what we're facing a type of cultural, narciss, uh, cultural Gnosticism. Public intellectual and linguist John McWhorter says that what we're facing in our society is a type of religion that the people who are trying to enforce this in our educational system, and uh, our entertainment, and our government and corporations, he would say it really has a religious fervor to it. So next week we'll get into some more of the details about this ideology, about what I like to call neo-Marxism, where it came from, and how we need to continue to address it in the church, but also in the culture writ large. Dr. Kara Powell is a PhD researcher in Southern California, and she spent uh, a good while researching students. She gathered a diverse group of over 2,200 students, spent a massive amount of time with them, had a group of researchers gathering data, listening to what their dreams are, their hopes are, their anxieties, their fears, their questions. And after talking to these thousands of young people and gathering information and listening and writing and dialogue, she said, basically, young people are searching out the answers to three big questions. Three big questions that students today in our culture are asking and crying out for answers. And I think these three questions connect and relate to all of us here and how we can be strong in God's strength and put on that armor. What are the three big questions that she found from this survey of thousands of young people? What are the questions they are asking? The first big question is, who am I? Who am I as a human being living on planet earth? Who am I? And so many of the questions that young people are dealing with, that we're dealing with in our world today, that many of us are battling people over today, center around the whole issue of identity. Identity. Who am I? What does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? So people are asking the question, who am I? What's my identity? Now, if we're coming from a theological perspective, if we're coming from a biblical perspective, we know that God tells us a lot about our identity, about who we are. So the Bible opens up with these words in Genesis 1:1, 1, 1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All things that we can see, all things that we cannot see, and this universe and the entire universe, all of this was created by an all-knowing, all-powerful God. And he made man and woman in his image as the apex of his creation. So if God is our maker, then if we're gonna understand who we are ourselves, if we're to understand our identity, we have to understand our identity in light of who he is and how he has designed us and made us. And one of the most fascinating things I find as I read God's word and listen to God's word is is to know that God said that He made us in His very image. He made us in His likeness. We're finite creatures. At the same time, because His Spirit lives inside of us, we're infinite creatures. But God made us to have a reflection of who he is. So we have been made, we've been designed with a sense, an intrinsic sense of dignity and worth. And we've been created to live in a harmonious relationship with our creator. God wants us to be at peace with him. God wants us to have a relationship with him. Yet, so many times we don't. So many times we go the opposite direction. There's a part of us that's drawn towards God and there's a part of us that repels God. So the Bible also says that though we are made in God's image, though we have a reflection of Him inside of us, we're also fallen. We're also broken. We're also sinful and selfish and so many other things. So all of this confuses us and our sense of identity, right? But it shows us our need for redemption, our need for God. And the good news is this, God doesn't leave us by ourselves. God doesn't say, hey, I see what I've made. I've seen the mess that human beings have made. I'm just going to leave them to their own devices. I'm going to allow them to experience the full weight of their consequences and rebellion. He doesn't do that. He comes into our world through Christ. Christ lives a perfect life in our place, dies a sacrificial death on the cross, rises again on the third day. That's the gospel that we can be made right with God, forgiven, and have a harmonious relationship with Him. So then I can have that sense of identity of who I am. I am a son or a child of God because of what God has done for me. God has adopted me into his family. God has given me a gracious way, amazing grace, to be connected to him, to have new life and new hope, to have a new sense of of my own identity and a sense my specialness before him. Now I'm still broken, I still sin, I still mess up, but God's spirit is inside of me. God's word speaks to me. God's community is conforming me and conforming us to the image and the character of God. So who am I? Who are you? I am who God says that I am. That's who I am. I can't define myself. My creator can define me. And because I'm in Christ, I am loved. I am forgiven. I am accepted. I'm a child of the living God. That's who I am. If you've trusted Christ, that's who you are. That's the first big question. According to the survey of these thousands of students that people are asking, kids are asking, who am I? The second big question is where do I fit? Where do I fit? We live in such a fragmented culture. Families are broken and fragmented. Our schools are are broken and fragmented. Our, Our politics are broken and fragmented and polarizing. Online discussions and posting and things people say about each other causes further alienation and fragmentation. And so we live in a time where people are saying, Where do I fit? Where can I find a sense of community? Where can I find a sense of family? Where can I find a sense of acceptance that I won't find anywhere else? Where do I fit? And I found out where I fit was within the context of the local church. And the local church, I've said this many, many times, and our church in particular, listen, We are a hospital for sinners and not a country club for saints. That's who we are. We are sinners, we are broken, and we're seeking to be healed by God, and we're seeking to help heal each other so that we can better reflect the humility, truth, and love of Christ in our own lives, wherever we go and whatever we do. But that happens in the context of community. And one of the things we work hard at here at this church at Second is to build a sense of community, to have groups, medium sized groups, small groups, we call them Bible study classes or Sunday school classes or whatever you want to call them. But we gather on Sunday morning, many times we gather during the week so that we can have that sense of community. So you can find a place where people know your name. They know what you're going through and they can meet your needs and you meet their needs. You discover your gifts. They discover their gifts and you use them to encourage each other. We are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is our community. So we've got to find our place and our space within the body of Christ. We've got to find that sense of the second big question, according to the survey, is where do I fit? Where do I fit? Third question, what difference can I make? That's good, isn't it? What difference can I make with my one and only life? with the talents and skills God's given me, maybe with the hurt or the pain that I'm trying to overcome. How can I use all of this, all of my life to make a difference and to make an impact for God in this world and in my life, in my job, in my career, in my family, at my school? How can I use all of that and find that sense of purpose and meaning in my life? It's a big question. What kind of contribution are you making? It's easy to lament. It's easy to complain, isn't it? It's easy to whine about how things are and how bad and how tough it is God wants us to be a part of the solution. God wants us to be proactive in doing something and in making a difference. And when God looks at our life and the purpose of our life, he looks at it holistically, holistically. God's concerned that we find purpose in every area of our life. Not just, you know, when we come to church and we sing and we pray, that's great, that's a part of it but that's gotta spill out into every area of our life. I like the old classic movie. Young people, if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's a really good movie or go stream it or whatever. It's called Chariots of Fire. And in Chariots of Fire, there's a guy by the name of Eric Little, who's part of the stories about. And Eric Little um, was an Olympic athlete. He was training for the Olympics, but he was also called to be a missionary to China. His parents were missionaries. And so he had a, a sister named Jenny, and Jenny tended to be a little more legalistic. I don't know if you know this or not, but some Christians can be a little legalistic. Spoiler alert. So Jenny was coming up to her brother, Eric, and going, You know, hey, you know, what are you doing with all this running? What are you doing with all this track? What about missions? What about the mission field? What about all this? And Eric Little turned to his sister and, with great grace, said, Jenny. Jenny, I'm called to the mission field. I'm going to the mission field. But at the same time, God has made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Right, that's the music if you haven't seen the movie. But I love that. I love that. Yes, I'm called to do missions. Yes, I'm called to do that in my vocation. At the same time, God's also given me the gift of racing and speed. And when I do that, I also can honor and glorify God with that purpose as well. Who am I? Where do I fit? can I make a difference? How can I find my sense of purpose in life? Well, if you're starting off and you're young, do what you like to do. Do what you're skilled at. If you have a certain skill, develop that skill. Perhaps you have a certain passion, develop that passion and grow and see what God does with that. If you need something to kind of a an overall umbrella. I remember someone telling me years ago, you know, what is their purpose in life? And they said, my purpose is simple. I want to know Christ and to make him known. I want to know Christ, grow deeper in my relationship with Christ, understanding my identity in Christ, my community in Christ Church, and I want to make him known in the way that I work, in the way that I live, in the way that I treat others. But we have to have this sense of purpose, this sense that God has designed me in such a way or God's gonna use me in such a way to make a difference in this world and in the lives of others. And he does that holistically in our life, not just in one thin slice. So when we put these questions together, we see the strength that they give us. And we'll see as we look in detail in the further and the following weeks about the specifics of the armor of God, but we can see how knowing our identity in Christ, I am who God says I am, knowing my place of belonging in his community, the church, I belong there. I fit there, I'm growing there. And then knowing the purpose that God has designed me for, that that gives me a sense of God's strength as I'm empowered by my gospel, by His gospel, to live a different way. And that's how we put on the armor. That's how we're strong and maintain our strength in Him. In Him. So, The question I would ask would be, what kind of person are you becoming? What kind of person are you becoming? When you look in the mirror, do you like what you see? Are you becoming a man or a woman of greater humility and integrity and courage as you're seeking to live out this identity in this community with a sense of purpose. God's gospel, God's grace allows us to become who he has designed us to become. No matter the pushback we may receive from others around us. Think about a young guy who grew up in a poor family in a small town. His father was not a Christian, his mom was. He was kind of ashamed, in a sense, of his family, never really fit in with them. They both Worked really hard, blue-collar jobs. Wealthy uncle gave some money to this young guy that he could go to college. No one in his family had gone to college. Went to college. This guy wanted to be an engineer, wanted to do something like that. But while he was in college, he got this strange idea. He wasn't living for God, but he got this strange idea that God may be calling him to actually be a minister of all things. He went back home, dropped out of his college, transferred to another one, told his mom and dad, and his dad said, son, you are throwing your life away. But the young man didn't stop. He got involved in a local church. He kept studying. He began to understand what his gifts were. He started started making a difference in other people's lives. He was a youth pastor. He was involved in recreation, and he continued to stay and find a sense of belonging and acceptance and identity by being connected to the local church. Eventually, this guy became a pastor. And this guy, though he is getting a little bit older now, is still pastoring, still making a difference in people's lives. And I know that because that's my dad. That's my father. Regardless of his family, regardless of what friends and other people said, and all of this, he found his purpose, his identity, his sense of belonging in life right in the church of Christ. Now, you're still, we all have different stories. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different pockets of pain in our life and different places we have been. But we can find that same sense of belonging and acceptance and purpose right here, among God's people in this spiritual hospital called the local church. Let the church be the church.